Welcome to the Alabama Literacy Network's podcast, which is designed to share information and best practices for literacy. We hope to bring a wide variety of resources together to help school leaders, teachers, and parents so that all children read at high levels. We believe that literacy is a fundamental right that is tied to so many positive outcomes that we want for all citizens. This podcast was brought to you by the Alabama Science of Reading group on Facebook. With free professional learning and a community dedicated to improving reading, it's no wonder that so many people are a part of this. If you aren't a member already, join for free online. I'm your host, Shelley Bell Smith. Today, we will be talking to Pat Roberts and Nancy Blair, co-founders of the AIM Academy, an independent school located just outside of Philadelphia that serves first through 12th grade students with language-based learning disabilities and the AIM Institute for Learning and Research, which provides professional literacy training to teachers and professionals around the country. Pat Roberts is the co-founder and co-CEO of AIM, and she is both a passionate educator and successful businesswoman. Her lifelong commitment to education began as a graduate of Westchester University, where she received both her undergraduate and graduate degrees in education. Her career began in the laboratory school at Westchester University, where she taught children in research-based early childhood programs in both regular and special education settings. This experience ultimately led to the incorporation of her three successful businesses, Primac Educational Foundation, Early Learning Associates, and PTS Learning Systems. Pat has been an adjunct faculty member in the College of Education at Westchester University, supervising student teachers in the field. She also launched the Institute for Educational Excellence and Entrepreneurship, the 3E Institute, with the belief that corporate and community partners needed to collaborate with schools to enrich the programs for students and engage students in the opportunities of the 21st century workforce. Nancy Blair is also the co-founder and co-CEO of AIM, and she started her career as an intensive care nurse. After completing graduate training in nurse anesthesia at the University of Pittsburgh, she became licensed as a certified registered nurse anesthetist, CRNA. Nancy believes her training in medicine has prepared her to have a deeper understanding of the recent scientific studies where functional MRIs have shown the importance and the critical need for explicit and systematic scientific-based instruction for children with learning disabilities. She holds her Level 1 and Level 2 Wilson certification and is honored to be a Wilson Level 1 trainer. She has been trained in Linda Mood-Bell, the Rave O Vocabulary and Fluency Program at Tufts University, and in the Nyhouse Metacognition Program to increase vocabulary and reading comprehension. She holds a private academic reading specialist license from the Pennsylvania Department of Education. Nancy grew her tutoring practice quickly based on the success of students with whom she was working. Nancy has served on the board of the Pennsylvania branch of the International Dyslexia Association and has presented at the National IDA Conference in Atlanta in 2018. She has spoken to a variety of organizations, including Building the Why in Your Startup Business and A Night of Meaning. The Truth Behind the Leader radio show interviewed Nancy and Pat Roberts in the spring of 2018 and both headlined the Women's Conference at SEI in 2019. Welcome. Welcome, Pat, Nancy. I am so excited to have you both as guests on the podcast. 
the work that AIM is doing has spread far and wide and honestly just continues to spread even further. And I love that one of my Alabama friends, Dr. Laura Fivash, introduced me to you both. So you two founded AIM in 2006. Tell us about what led you to do this. Well, first of all, thank you so much, Shelley, for having us on here. And we are thrilled that Alara Fivash did introduce us to you. Um, our history started, we co-founded AIM in 2006. But to be honest, what led us to start AIM started years before that. Pat and I met when our daughters were six years old. They are now 32. And so this journey as mothers of daughters who had language-based learning differences really brought us together to work on a number of different initiatives, predominantly initially um, as volunteers. We would organize different conferences. We would bring um, folks together, idea of getting the research into the classroom. And so you heard our backgrounds. I came from medicine. Pat was in as an educator. And one year, Pat and I heard in 2004 at the International Dyslexia Association, their national conference held here in Philadelphia. And Dr. Reed Lyon, who is the former chief of child development and behavior branch within NICHD, and he was one of the keynote speakers. And he said, it takes approximately 10 years to get the research into the classroom. Well, I was sitting next to Pat and I looked at her and I said, this is ridiculous. We are going to wait 10 more years for the research to hit for our girls. I don't think so. And I said, medicine would never do this. If we have a cure for cancer or we have something to help enhance one's life, medicine jumps on it and they look at what the data shows and they move on. And so that's when then we had the opportunity to meet Sally Smith, the founder of the lab school. And one day she just said, I really like the way the two of you think. And so with our passion, and I will say the three of us shared that piece that mothers experience when you're watching your child not learning to read. And so our vision of the research to practice lab school and the teacher training hub started in 2006. And so for that, I would say that's really how this all started. It was multiple different things coming into our lives. And all of a sudden, then we had the opportunity to start the school and the training center. Wow. Just the vision to take what you were hearing and create something. Did you have any idea that what you started would grow into an organization that trains people from across the United States and even the world and is now leading the way on how we serve all students, especially those with language-based learning challenges? We are asked that question all the time, Shelley. If you, They just keep saying, how did you imagine this or did you imagine this? And as we began, uh, we began with 24 students. And our thought was in 2006 to be a lab school. And what happened was that as we grew this, today we have 400 students in grades 1 to 12. So we really didn't imagine that kind of rapid growth. 
But what we did know was that the children at AIM were the lucky ones. They were experiencing the research into the classroom far more quickly than these 10 years, which we were not going to settle for. And so we knew that our students were front, front seat benefactors of having the researchers in our lab school, doing in-school research, working with our teachers, looking at how we were translating their research to help our students. And what developed from that was this incredible focus on Let's make sure that we are absolutely focused on our students here at AIM. But as someone from the local school district, urban school district said to us, you are serving just a patch of grass in an acreage of need. There is so much to be done. And that really drove the original formation of our mission. And an important part of that mission is developing a center for educational excellence and professional development to disseminate these best practices to educators by providing this access to the evidence-based curriculum, technology, and training. Like We felt it was selfish and unfair to keep all of that learning inside our four walls. It was only serving that patch of grass, right? And so from that, we began teacher training right out of the gate. And we were fortunate um, to be able to be working with a number of key partners. Uh, For example, we were working with um, Wilson. We became a Wilson Partner School in 2007. Ultimately, we also began training on programs developed by other researchers, such as Louisa Motes and Marianne Wolf as part of their affiliate site teacher training programs. And as soon as we had those, as we say, medallions on the front door where it wasn't just what we had taken from ourselves, we took the research from the researchers, that's when it exploded. But we reached an aha moment that with all this stand and deliver training, which we were doing early on, we still could only train 30 teachers at a time in a week-long training. It was just taking too long to get through all the teachers who were starting to sign up. We had too many waiting lists. And that's where we decided we really needed to convert this training to our online platform, AIM Pathways. And we launched that. Everybody thinks we foresaw the pandemic, which we did not, but we knew early on that we needed to scale using the best that we could in technology. So we launched our first course in 2019 with 300 teachers online. That was, we were very proud of that. Um, But by the end of this year, we'll be at 15,000 teachers learning online across many, many states And just so excited to also be providing the online coaching and support. That's the secret sauce. (laughs) So we have all the learning asynchronously available online in the science of reading, but then to get the coaching and the support and helping teachers be able to understand how to use it in the classroom. That's what really has, in our opinion, caused our rapid growth in really being in all these states and across the 
globe currently. Yes, absolutely. And there were so many things that you mentioned as you were talking. And honestly, that image of the patch of grass and an acre of need is so powerful because I feel like we do have this acres upon acres of need out there. And in your school, you've been able, you know, to address it with this small number of students and, and 400 is is not small, but compared to how many students in the U.S. need these services. And it, it really is phenomenal. And so I knew that you were reaching a lot of teachers through your online platform. But when you said 15,000, I thought, wow, now you talk about getting some traction. That is amazing. And just think about the impact to the children, Shelley. You know, we figure each year if those 15,000 educators are in front of 25 children on average, that's when it gets really exciting for us as we look to the future and how many lives can we impact by providing a really skilled teacher who understands exactly what their literacy needs are and how to provide for them. That's what drives us. Absolutely. And it's always when we look at the children, and I know this started with you trying to have better services for your own children. What can you tell us about what you've been able to change about how children with language-based learning differences, how we teach them and how they learn so that it is more effective? Well, um, Shelley, that's a really good question because, number one, we did not get the school up in time to benefit our girls. But the students that are here, I they are getting what Pat and I would have dreamed our girls would have had in the classroom. When we first opened, I remember going into some of those first and second grade classrooms and my eyes welling up with tears, just imagining if our girls had had this at that young age. But I think what's exciting now is with our school, our, our mantra is we teach literacy all day long. Literacy should not just be in that 90 minute ELA course or class. It should really be um, whether it's in science and you can infuse the way you're teaching vocabulary and pulling in morphology. We look at Hollis Scarborough's reading rope and we look at which one of those strands does the child have that's not tightly woven. And then what is our job to make that And I don't know if you know this, but we are very fortunate. We have Hollis Scarborough's original reading rope here at AIM. She gave it to us because she saw that we had the reading rope up in every classroom. And it was a reminder for our teachers to keep on thinking about that. You know, which strand of the rope are you working on? And so to us, literacy goes beyond that 90-minute period. There's financial literacy. There is, if you, um, if students are in science and you would give them a test and they can't read, well, it's a reading test. It's not a science. And you're not having the chance to expand background knowledge. You don't have the chance to expand vocabulary. And so I think one of the things that we've done for the Children of Language-Based Learning Disabilities is to really show that it takes a really comprehensive program that you are looking at what the research supports, 
And then you continually apply it and train your teachers. There is no silver bullet when it comes to training teachers. It can take up, we say, four to five years to get teachers really well trained with with bringing in all the experts. But I think that's what's important. And then I will say, I will just add this, that through the years, our school is for children of language-based learning disabilities. But when we look at those NAEP scores, not all those students have language-based learning disabilities. And so we started to pay attention to the research to realize that the same thing that works for children of language-based learning disabilities works for all struggling readers. And the AIM Institute is really, that's what we're proud of, is that we've taken what worked for language-based learning disabilities, took it into transferable language, so the teachers who are working with emergent readers or struggling readers in your older grades can utilize these same evidence-based practices. Wow, you just said a mouthful when you said what works for these students with learning challenges works for all students. And that's one thing I think that we continue. You mentioned this, the silver bullet. You know, we keep thinking there is a silver bullet out there that's going to help students with learning challenges that they're going to. And we don't have a silver bullet, but we do know what works. Absolutely. I am so just in awe of what you've been able to accomplish in not only your school, but with the AIM Institute. What can you tell us about the work of the AIM Institute? I think I would divide it into two parts. First of all, we are a research institution. So I think we would be remiss not to give a nod to our in-school research studies. And I think that's the beauty of having a lab school so that the researchers do come here. It's a very iterative process where we get the benefit, as I said earlier, of our teachers and our children being front row benefactors. Um, However, it also helps the researchers fine-tune their research. And so I think because we're able to continue that in school research, we've worked with researchers like Dr. Don Compton doing research on vocabulary and background knowledge. One of our biggest partnerships is with Haskins Lab at Yale University and UConn partnerships. That's where we have our EEG lab. So the Institute is very focused on really being a part of advancing literacy research in the classroom. How does it look in the classroom? That also includes implementation science. But specifically then on the work that I mentioned around AIM Pathways and our online learning, now we really are converting that to this really rich adult learning platform that is engaging, that has a lot of multimodal elements from videos to case studies to actual examples that we have from videotaping our own students here at AIM. What a benefit that is. Um, Our case studies, obviously redacted, but all of we give them work samples and they can actually see what does a struggling reader look like. And I think that really anchors 
the work of AIM Pathways that's really been very unique for us. And so we have this theory of learn, practice, and apply. So we have to transfer the knowledge. Uh, we use a lot of the IDA approved knowledge and practice standards for the teachers of reading and spelling. We also are very focused, as Nancy said, on Hollis Scarborough's reading rope as a theoretical framework. You have to start with that. But then, as I said, the practice elements, there are a lot of ways that teachers interact with the platform, as well as I mentioned, different videos, uh, different case studies, lesson plans, downloadables, unit plans, assessment tools. Probably one of our most popular courses is the leadership course, where now we also include principal walkthroughs and what what should principals or supervisors or coaches be looking for. So that really is an exciting part of AIM Institute, taking the research, continuing that work, but then translating it. Obviously, these professional learning courses are really relevant now that so many people are seeking this knowledge out. Tell us some more about the different types of courses and pathways that AIM offers. So we currently have what I'll call four full-scale courses. And by full-scale, I mean they are accredited, um, IDA credits them, they are ID. Um, by another university, Arcadia University gives three graduate credits for the course. So those four are Pathways to Proficient Reading, which is our foundational course. I mentioned Pathways to Literacy Leadership, which is the companion course for administrators. We have Pathways to Structured Literacy with a practicum, which allows us to be basically an MTSS system where we can actually work in, with teachers who have large groups, small groups, and one-on-one -on -one needs for their students. And then also we release pathways to proficient writing. But what's really becoming very popular as well are our micro-credentialed modules. So we had a lot of demand for could we chunk them into micro-credentials. We work with Credentials Unlimited. They are an organization that approves all these for micro-credentials. And then what that allows us to do is almost stack these different badges. Um, so, for example, one of the credentials would be a dys dyslexia module. Another one might just be on comprehension. And so they're ideal for paraprofessionals, parents, pre-kindergarten. So you can really reach the multi-constituent level too, when you're doing the smaller chunks. Well, it sounds like there's something for everyone. And even after you've done one, there's more to learn. Exactly. And the other offshoots we're doing, we're, uh, one thing we're really excited about is we'll be releasing a series with Linnea Airy, Dr. Linnea Airy and her work and the different phases. And that's really timely now with the different debates around the phonemic awareness, how much, how little, in what formats. And so her work really is very instrumental in that and also uh, a number of other programs. 
And I would add to that as well, that we are doing a lot of Wilson training across the country as well. So whether it's the foundations and whether it's, you know, the three-day overview and the practicum, we're able to do those pieces as well. And that's the, there is a silver lining of COVID. There's not much of a silver lining, but that is our silver lining that everybody learned to be pretty effective with virtual um, training. So we are excited about that. Absolutely. And I think that we will never see the world the same way after having lived through this kind of virtual way of doing the world. It doesn't make sense to go back in so many instances. Absolutely. So a lot of the people that listen to this podcast are teachers or school staff who don't really get to control what they learn and or don't have the budget to participate in professional learning. AIM Institute offers a variety of free options for learning. What can you tell us about those opportunities? Well, that's a great question. And so many of these can be found on our website, uh, www.aimpa.org. But go to the AIM Institute side and you will see that they have a whole resources page there. And so each year we do the annual research to practice symposium. This will this coming up year will be our 11th year. It is in person as well as virtually. It is free. This year it will be Monday, March 13th, 2023. And why is reading comprehension so difficult to comprehend? And so we're really excited. Each year we put together a phenomenal group of researchers that come to AIM. Uh, We did do it virtually for two years in a row, but we are back to in-person. And so we have this. And so we really delve into a particular subject matter that we do believe that teachers across, I'm going to say globally, because last year we had someone from each state attend virtually. We had 36 different countries and every continent except Antarctica. So we've got quite a draw and we're proud to support that at no cost. We do have on our website, it's called Pathways to Practice. And you just go into those and then you can sign into whatever and it's free. And those are opportunities to watch. Some of them were how to teach virtually because we put a lot of this up during COVID. That being said, it's still the same practices that you would use in the classroom. This just showed you a few technology tools as well. But sometimes people are tutoring people across the country. We do have regular webinars and the historical webinars that we've had are all still in our library on our website. And I should say there is the library of all previous 10 research symposiums on our library that someone could watch and they are excellent. We also have what we call teachable moments. Again, another opportunity to go and they're just snippets from researchers that were here and we just would ask them a few questions that teachers would want. And we try our hardest to keep up tweeting out 
research articles that we feel that are pertinent to the field. And that's something that's really important to us to keep. You know, somebody said you tweet for the greater good. That's to us something that's important that if we, because there's a lot of misinformation out there. So if we are sending something out, you know, it's from a researcher that was highly respected that we That is so many free opportunities to learn. And I, I know that with all of those recordings, that's, I can't even imagine hundreds of hours potentially of learning that people could just access for nothing. And it's from the comfort of their home and their pajamas. Exactly. And even if they attend live for the research symposium, we do give you know certificate of attendance And then one other thing I will add, because I know not everyone's doing this anymore, but we still have kept the AIM Pathways courses for individual teachers at an individual price. We don't mandate this to be for a whole school district. And we have watched teachers take these things into administrators There was one teacher in British Columbia, and she was so inspired by the course, she now has her whole elementary school on. So as we say, the power of one adding with all the power of everyone can just be even stronger. But yes, those are, there are many hours that you could, and then the graduate credits that can be given for the AIM Pathways are at a very nominal fee as well for three graduate credits in total. $450. So again, another opportunity for an educator who can do this at the convenience of their home and still increase their education and as well as possibly their pay grade, master's plus 15 or master's plus 30. These are another opportunity. That's the cheapest graduate credit I would have ever gotten. I'm pretty sure all of mine was much more expensive than that. So I am sure. So I think one of the coolest things AIM is doing is the Ignite Center, where not only is neuroscience research being done, but you're involving some students as research fellows. What is Ignite? What is the goal? And what are you learning? Well, we're really excited because we have partnered with Haskins Lab at Yale. And we were the first school to partner. There's one other one now. And so, you know, they work in partnership with Yale and UConn. And we do have an EEG lab here in the school. It did have to get packed away during COVID, but it's back out. And some of the things that we really want to help the community learn, and these were things that Haskins wanted to study, is are there, there are some students that are slow responders and non-responders. Is the brain showing activity before paper and pencil? And maybe we stop too soon. Some of the other questions that Haskins has said is, what were the things that we're doing to get the brain ready to learn to read? So these are questions that none of us really know the answers. And so we're really hoping that our work with Haskins will help community in large to come up with some of these answers. Some of the other pieces are like they are still doing assessments, but like when we were virtual and when we were in person, did those scores vary? What do we do differently? So we weren't able to do necessarily the EEGs at that time, but we could still learn from the data and keep on going. And what's so fun 
is when our upper school students become junior neuroscientists and they help put the caps on for the students. And we have had a few that have gone on to college with the idea that they would like to become neuropsychologists. So it's just a wonderful opportunity. The younger kids enjoy it when the older kids do it. And then this sparks a real interest and they get to see how when children are reading different words, and if they recognize if they come from the same sounds, they get to see the brain waves and they find this all fascinating because they do know this is a lot of the way they learn as well. Exactly. And I just was thinking those students by the very presence in your school means that they have a learning difference. And so when they are looking at not only the way the brain works, but you know individual brains work then it's it's really giving them an insight to this is this is the way brains work. Exactly. So this has been the fun of this. I love that. So Alabama has done a huge push for teachers to be trained in letters. How do you see what AIM Institute offers working with programs such as letters? Well, we are real fans of Louisa Motes. She is just someone who inspired us very early. So we're always thrilled when we enter a state where they have the foundational skills developed or at least beginning to develop. So the way we would describe how we would work with that situation, complement that um, environment, and where we see this happening, and I'll give you an example, but where we are complementing in certain states where letters is in existence is that once they have the foundational course through letters, then often they want to continue going deeper into the structured literacy, and that's important to them. They also know that real reading or strong literacy requires writing skills. So pathways to proficient writing is huge. The other area where AIM is also a beautiful complement is that, remember, we have our children, our grades 1 to 12. So our materials are and downloadables are appropriate past that K3 sweet spot, as we would call it. So if you are looking to continue that progress in supporting children in fourth through 12th grade, third through 12th grade, what you will find in a lot of the courses and particularly in the modules we're developing are a lot of additional materials specific to those other grade levels. So that's a huge area for us. And I think for places we um, were very proud um, to have recently won the RFP in Mississippi. And so Mississippi has long used letters very successfully. And as you know, they've gotten beautiful results. Now they want to make sure that the implementation into the classroom is solidified. What are those actual classroom practices that could be reinforced? Because it is a matter of ongoing practice. This is not a one-year, two-year foundational skill building, and then you're set to go. You heard Nancy say our personal experience with our educators here. Really, it's that 
around that fourth year mark, once you've gone deeper into more training and more experiences and more practice, is when you really get to see the outcomes. And I think we would see ourselves as a great partner and supplement. We also have done some really nice work at the pre-kindergarten level. And we see that happening more with the work we're doing with Linnea, working on mnemonic alphabet cards, which she's very much known for in her research and uh, expanding our other offerings so that we can go deep and we can go broad once folks have that foundational skill level. That's really interesting. And I hadn't really even thought about that four through 12 piece, but it is such a need. And I used to describe, because I worked in a district in which I was responsible for pre-K through 12, and we could uh, put the fire out in the bottom of this building, but then we had all of these students still trapped up in the upper floors, and we didn't necessarily know how to reach them. We didn't have a ladder that went that far. And so what you're describing are, are really some ways to reach those students at the upper grades who got past us when we didn't really have a lot of the things in place that we are putting in place now. It's such a great analogy. I'm going to I'm going to have to use that one, Shelley. That it's a great analogy. I mean, we just have so many children. I think one stat we heard early on in our careers is that 7,000 children drop out of school every year in our high schools in the United States. Now, that is totally unacceptable. Yeah. Um right. and so how like most of the reason that's named for that is they don't feel successful in their literacy skills, right? They can't read, they can't master these high school requirements. And so we really have to work very hard at those levels as well. And I think what AIM has been able to do, as Nancy said, we teach literacy all day long. So it's really giving purpose to infusing those literacy skills in a way that still builds that rich background knowledge. So it, it's a huge need. Middle school, our, our little fourth and fifth graders, you know, is that's why we're excited about the symposium on comprehension. Like that's a complex area for us. Yes. And we used to think that it was so easy and so discreet. And what we have learned is it is so interdependent and highly contextualized that it it is a beast. You know, that's that's the way I see it is there's just so much to be done around it. One of the things that I'm fascinated with is the implementation support AIM Institute is doing with states. What states are you working in? I know you mentioned Mississippi. And what are you learning from this work that could help inform others working on implementation? Each one of them is unique, as you can well imagine. So I'm just going to because we think we have unique models in each one, I'm just going to showcase some of the states that are doing statewide rollouts with us and how they're using it. So one of our early states was Rhode Island, and they have this RIDE initiative. And what was unique there was that because AIMS materials are customizable, and I'll talk a bit about that in a moment, They we were able to do two different programs with them. And one were their foundational skills for K-3, and the other was their secondary, which was called awareness. So it was a lighter lift, hence the use of potentially mini modules, but it was 
able to be customized for the amount of time the state was mandating for their secondary educators who can't really are teachers of reading, which is something we always like to propose. Delaware is another huge rollout. Theirs is interesting because it's a train-the-trainer model. So they put their coaches through the series of courses that I named, and then their coaches are now in a train-the-trainer model, which means that they can now be self-sustaining and they can leverage the platform for their training materials, but then they do the coaching and the support in the state. North Dakota did a whole private labeling. So they took games content, they picked and chose which elements they wanted. And if you are one of the 3000 educators that will benefit in North Dakota, you don't even know necessarily that it's same content, but that was done beautifully as a private label opportunity in North Dakota. Louisiana, huge rollout there. They're doing great things. They're Act 108. We have 7,000 teachers going through it now or over the in the last like 18 months and through this year. So that was after we did a dyslexia pilot with them. So with our expertise in that field, we can very specifically target dyslexia. I already mentioned Mississippi. So that's very focused on the application side of our work. And then finally, I want to talk about higher ed. So in Pennsylvania, uh, we do some work with higher education uh, groups, mentioned Arcadia, giving the graduate credit. We're so excited now to be working with Katie Pace-Miles at CUNY Brooklyn. And she and AIM partnered to do a postgraduate course, and it, it potentially will be a, a certificate course if all uh, goes as she has planned. So there's so many ways we can approach these partnerships. So those are just a few. I love it. And then, uh, I've had Katie Pace-Miles on this podcast and just love, love, you know, what she is working on. So what do you see outside your school that needs to happen for students with language-based learning differences? Well, I do think that if you have state legislation that promotes the science of reading, I think that is key. We, when we work with these different states, we see states such as Rhode Island, Louisiana, and many others, and they put these um, legislations out there and then they fund them. And so, yes, ESSER funds do cover a lot of this training, but it doesn't cover everything. And we need to be continually learning and be curious learners for good. It's what I go back to my medical background. You don't stop learning in medicine. If a new anesthetic gas comes out or a new medicine comes out, you need to learn it. As different programs come out, we don't need to know. We need to understand what's the foundations behind them? What's the research that shows what works instead of just saying, okay, this is what we're rolling out, like become strategic. I strongly believe the leaders of your school need to be trained first. When we've had principals get trained, we have just seen so many amazing things happen. Flexibility to schedule, resources given to different areas. So these are the pieces. And then 
really reiterating that literacy is all day long. It is not just one period. So even our small, like our mini modules, we have seen schools use that with paraprofessionals and they found the school district found the paraprofessionals felt even better about their jobs. They felt they were helping more than simply taking care of behavior issues. And so we're also intertwining that with the art teachers, with science teachers. Maybe they don't need to go as in depth, but they do need to understand what are the underpinnings of the science of reading and how that is implicated in their classrooms. Oh, that's fantastic. Pat and Nancy, I want to thank you both for being with me today. I love, love the work you're doing with the school and the Institute. And I'm so excited to take advantage of the learning that you're making possible for so many people. Thank you, Shelley. We had a great time. Well, and thank you for all the work that you're doing as well. It does take a village and it does take a a lot of people to make this movement happen. So thank you. Well, I do believe we have a movement going. So (laughs) join us again for the next episode of the Alabama Literacy Network's podcast.